today and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Been away for three weeks. Good to be back. Welcome to the program today. Hunty. Hey, it's good to be back too. You've been on holidays. Yes, kind of. I'm trying not to laugh <laughs> because you had you hadn't had holidays what for the best part of almost two years, yep. and you had to go on holidays because you had so many. Yes. So you've just been on three weeks holidays. Tell three me, three weeks of lockdown holiday. How did your holiday go, mate? Oh. Were you able to get to the beach and enjoy oh, yourself? I couldn't even get 5Ks from my house. <laughs> the interesting <laughs> thing is that on the very day Hunty's holidays ended, what happens, Hunty? The very day my holiday ended, they unlocked us in Sydney. So what did you do? You actually, sometimes I love you, my brother, <laughs> but sometimes you're a bit weird. What did you do as Sydney unlocked? And by the I way, this, this is the first time in four or five months that... Uh, we've been doing this program that we're, we're not locked down. We're actually in the same studio together. That's right. I kind of praise and God for that and hope oh, New yeah. South Wales oh, continues yeah. to recover and come out of this. And if you listen to Victoria, God bless you. We get, we get, uh. Um, we feel your pain. Oh, we feel your pain. We do. Now, what was I saying, Hunty? I went, at midnight, I went to Bondi Beach. I ran through the car park, across the grass verge, down onto the sand, and I ran into the Pacific Ocean, and I put my feet in the glory. This is Monday, mo- Monday morning. Just got midnight, Sunday night, Monday morning. 12.01 Seconds after the lockdown ended, I had to break free. I had to go to Bond. I had to get my feet into the ocean. And was there a whole lot of other people down there? No, it was raining, and it was midnight. That's right. <laughs> here we are, in the middle of spring, where the, the, the weather's a bit like Melbourne in spring here. Sometimes it's... It's cold, it's hot, and it was a cold, miserable, wet, rainy night. And here's Hunty. But I was free. <laughs> <laughs> here's Hunty down at the beach, and he's into it. Hey, look, welcome to uh, our non-lockdown world. I think we can now go here in Sydney from the central coast yes. down to Wollongong, yep. which is a fair distance. Good distance. And we can get to the farm where our studio is pretty easily. That's right. Yeah, so we're praising God. We, we are. We are very thankful. Yep. And we're very thankful it looks like at least for the moment we're coming out of this uh Pandemic. Yep. Uh, Hunty, uh, tell us about RC Aussie Pass before we go too further because we've rejigged the program a bit. We no, have. RC Aussie Pass is actually coming on. What is RC Aussie Pass? And if you've got a question, what do you do? Okay, we like to um, have a segment called Ask the Aussie Pastor because we like to put to Pastor Lloyd all the questions that you have about the Bible and about Jesus. So, how do you contact us? It's really easy. You can send your questions to us via SMS or text on 0488. Double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us easy. It's info at aussiepastor.com. What, what sort of questions will they? Send? Anything you like. You can ask Pastor Lloyd any question, preferably a Bible question, but you ask him a question on any topic in the Bible, I'm pretty sure he'll give you a great answer. Can he always give you an answer? Well, I think we've never stumped you. Oh, I think you have. Have we? Yes, you have. I've been trying. <laughs> a couple it's of, my life's mission. There's been a couple of really hard questions. Yep, um, that's right. There's a, there's a, I've already seen one in today. There's a hard one already in. Oh, are yes. you going to give me a heads up on no, that? No, we're not planning on it. <laughs> well, we're glad you've joined us today. Yeah, we've got a great program today. We've got a couple of guests again. We've got a um, couple of, well, one old favourite, which is um, Harold Harker. He is an absolute wealth of information. And uh, we've got one of your friends. Yeah. 
album Matahiti. He's a mm. brand new president of Greater Sydney. If I can say, can I say this? Yeah, he's actually one of my best mates. Oh. It's the first time in thirty-one years of ministry that I've had a guy. In that sort of position, I was going to say you finally got a friend in high places. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best mate, actually. I've got friends in low places. <laughs> well, look, um, I, I, I'm just glad to have him as a mate, and I think he's going to share a good story—not about so much being the president, but where he comes from, Albania. And he was brought up in a communist country, and it's—he got a very interesting. In fact, I'll tell you this before we go to our sting. He was Alba Matahiti was, I think, the first Seventh Day Adventist Christian in Albania. Wow! So he's got a bit. Of, he's got a good story. That's it's, very cool. It's worth listening to. Yeah. So, look, glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to have a great day. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty. Yep. You've been watching the news while you've been watching away? the news. I have. I was thinking of dropping this segment actually, ah, the, the news section really? because yeah. It's all pretty morbid stuff. You, you, you try and yeah, go. True. If, you, if you've been onto true. the in, into the news online or whether it, see, I, 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 I'm into the news online. You're into the news for television mostly. Although yes. I, I think you go online and have a look too. And yeah, but I prefer to see. I like to see and hear. Yeah, you're visionary. I'm mm. audio. You're visionary. Mm. Funny that, isn't it? Mm. The way God makes us. Mm. It's pretty hard to find real positive stuff. But then I thought, you know, it's an important segment because I think it it, it helps to keep us focused on the fact that we're going to see Jesus soon. These are all signs. Yep. Now, while you're away, other than COVID, and I'm trying to avoid COVID today, all right, Hunty? Yep. Yep. I'm trying to make this a COVID-free zone. Okay, good. I'm not sure we'll be able to, <laughs> but it's, at least in the news we'll be able to. Okay. The other big news other than COVID, do you know what it was? Uh, no. Taiwan, China. Oh, yes. 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 Now, I, I find that a bit scary. Yeah, me too. I, I live um, in Riverston, which is just up the road from one of the biggest air bases in Australia, Richmond. Mm, yep. In fact, how far would we be, Hunty, from Richmond? Oh, by, by the way, the crow flies. Yeah, yeah. probably in 10 days. At the most, eh? Mm. And uh, the reason I say that is the last thing we want to see is a war between Taiwan and China. Yep. There's a couple of reasons for that for me, Hunty. Number one, did you know that China is experiencing some of the fastest growth in the world in Christianity. In fact, other than India, more people come to Christ a week in China than anywhere else. Wow. Can you believe that? That's awesome. And the last thing you want to see is when God is at work in a country like that and the Holy Spirit, and this is not an easy country for people to give their hearts to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is where the last thing you want to do is see a war. Correct. Uh, the other thing is, you know, Taiwan, um, a Chinese-speaking, mm-hmm. independent, free country. Yep. I think an example to our Chinese brothers and sisters of what they could be. Yes. And the last thing you want to see is a democracy fall down in this day and age. So I think there's a couple of reasons we don't want a war. But the other thing is, I think, I don't know how you feel about this, but the, the nature of weapons and the, the, the nature of wars today if China and Taiwan went at it and the United States stepped in, you wonder what might happen to us even here in Australia. Well, we, we'd be obliged as, as a coalition of the of the willing. We'd be obliged to join the US, probably the United Nations, and support that. You're 56, almost 57. Yep. I've just turned 58. We're pretty much the same demographic. Yep. Um, same years, more or less. In our lifetime, we've never really seen a war. No. Not a, not a big one. And and the scary thing is the Chinese have got these hypersonic missiles now that can reach us, and they're so what's fast. What's that mean? What's, well, hi- what's hyper- hypersonic means? It's, I think it's two or three times the speed of sound. They fly so fast these missiles that you can't even shoot them down. 
You can't, so, you can't so, track so they're just and you how can't fast are down. they? I think three times the speed of sound. Oh, I thought they were five times. Yeah, okay. maybe five. Yeah, they're very, very fast. And I think we've, we've got laser guided weapons that can get them, but they're in their infancy. I don't think we actually have much of a defence against these these high powered, super fast missiles, yeah. which can now reach us from China. It, it's a worry, isn't it? It is. It is a worry, and and, and so you know, I don't often pray about nations. Yep. But I've been praying about China and Taiwan. That's good. Because I would, and I, and I think uh, if you're listening and, and you care about the world, I think it's a prayer, it's a worthy prayer. Because the last thing we want to do with the gospel just exploding around the planet is see the world sucked into World War Three, which would be more destructive and more horrendous than anything we have ever seen in the history of the world. If there's one thing we've got better at, Hunty, other than medicine and science... <laughs> It's how to kill each other. Yeah, so true. And the weapons today are very, very scary on both sides of this conflict. Yeah. And it, it would be a dreadful thing. So I, I think we should pray about that situation. Yes. And, and, you know, we're from the West. Whenever you get tempted to take sides in these sorts of things, which we can, you know, mm-hmm. we need to be careful. We need as Christians to step back and say, hey, yep. you know what? They're brothers and sisters in those countries. Yep. They belong to Christ. His message is exploding. We don't want bad things happening to them. This is worth a prayer. For sure. Now, kind of related to that, another article I came across this morning when I was looking at this, because I'm trying to get news articles that are relevant for the day. Yeah, for those and who are watching, listening to a repeat of this, it's the 12th of October, whilst we're live now at 3.42. Yeah, if you're listening to it right now, yeah, it's live. It's live. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to confuse people who are listening <laughs> to, it to replays. So it is, it is Tuesday. What's the time, Hunter? It's 3.43. Yeah, 3.43 3. p.m. But this Tuesday is, this afternoon. This is today's news. <laughs> yeah, this is today's news. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, again, concerns me. We're, we're experiencing things, Hunter, you and I, and, and we're not old men, but we're headed that way. For sure. We, we've actually lived good, long lives I'm a, already. I'm a grandfather now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you look good yesterday if you live. I think yesterday you saw your little granddaughter for the first time. Uh, saw her for the second time. Oh, but second the first time. time I held her. Uh, what was that like? Oh, my goodness. It was so special. I saw the pictures on Facebook. It looked hey, I got, I got to feed her as well. It was great. You look, you, you, you look, you look a very satisfied, happy granddad. <sighs> it's a beautiful day. And that little girl is beautiful. She is. Yeah. My kids are very blessed. <laughs> yeah, actually, all your kids are beautiful. I, mm. I know I'm from a father. They're all good kids. You've, yep. you've been a good dad. But anyway, back to the... Back to the sad um, war. Look, gas prices skyrocketing around mm. the globe. And when yep. I say gas prices, the article talks about how energy prices are just going through the roof. Well, they're, and, they're predicting oil's $100 a barrel by December. Actually, I read oil could go up to $200 a barrel within months. Wow. This morning. Wow. But it's not just oil, there's coal. You know, in, in, okay, let me tell you that in Lebanon, two or three days ago, yep. they ran out of power. Yep. And they're a diesel generated power country. Yes. They ran out of diesel. Yep. In Europe, they're struggling to get enough gas, gas from Russia to heat the homes yep. for winter. It's now, terrible. Hunter, you lived in Europe. I did. Now, do we really pick up what that means in Australia? Because no, we the don't. reason I say that is here in Australia, I, I know for a fact you actually don't use much power when it comes to heating in winter, correct? Correct. And we, Why is that? Well, where, where we live here in Sydney, we're lucky to get anything less than seven degrees in winter, which is quite mild. Yeah. 
Yeah. But if you're in Victoria, you're getting a lot of zeros, but we get the occasional zero. So you go, you go through winter without using a That's heater. That's correct, yeah. So you just put your – I know he's got a nice pair of Ugg boots. <laughs> I I'll do. See him. I in do. fact, you inspired me to go and get a, get a pair of Ugg boots. <laughs> so so you go through winter uh, just with your Uggies and you put a doona on That's and you, right. you struggle through. Yeah. But you lived in Europe. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that in Europe. Minus 10, like I was in Bulgaria a few years ago, minus 10, minus 15, you can't live in a house that's colder than a freezer. Okay. It's just not healthy. I and mean, people die when their houses aren't heated. So this is a serious situation, probably Very more serious. than us Aussies realise. Very serious. Um, yes. and, and, and kind of what goes along with this, I don't know whether you've noticed, because I know you've been on a holiday. I was reading again, in the paper, always reading, that in Britain, and this stuns me for the Western world, and I think it's a sign of the times that we live in, one in six families in Britain claim when they go to the shops, they cannot buy enough food for their families. Yeah. Well, they say that's it due to the truck driver shortage. Bro, this is not in Africa. Mm. Okay. Mm. I think the truck driver shortage has got something to do with it. But did you know that over this last spring, summer in the world that they have had massive crop failures, Hunty? Really? Yep. Drought, disasters. And so I think what you've got is a perfect storm here. You've got COVID, which is getting in the way of the, what would you call it, taking the food from the farm to yep. the plate. Yep. So you've got that problem. But on yep. top of that, you actually have less food and you have less gas, less energy yes. to get that food to you. Yep. I sometimes wonder, and I, I don't want to scare our listeners, I'm not into that, but I do wonder sometimes whether we in the Western world are about to see life change and whether it is possible. Is it possible that in these end times we possibly could even see famine? Yes, I totally believe that. That would shorten you and me up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, look, when I look at these things, and as I said, these, these news, in the, it's a pity that these news cycles are, are so negative. I, yeah. I try and bring some positive things next week. Okay, okay good. How's that sound? That'd be nice. But when I look at these things, you know what I think? Yep. They are signs that tell me Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This next song, Hunty's a favourite of ours. It is. I think we've played it just about more than any other song on our program. Really? Yeah. It, what is it? You, you, you. Yet, yet not I, but through Christ. By City of Light. City of Light. Now tell me, that's your, your son knows someone in City of Light? I, I, I like to brag about this. <laughs> My son's teacher yeah. at school yep. is actually the lead singer wow. of City of Light. I tried to get wow. him to come to New Hope. That'd be good. I think I'm going to have to get you to do it. You, you, you tend to get these groups better than I do. Actually, we'll be opening up in the next few weeks, I think. I hope so. Oh, we pray. I so hope so. Yeah. But this is a good song. Uh, Yet Not I But Through Christ by City of Light. What gift of grace is Jesus my
song, Hunty. Indeed. It won't be the last time we listen to that one, will it? Correct. Love it a lot. Harold Harker. I'm about to use the most used phrase in the English language right now, and that's please unmute your microphone. <laughs> Welcome to live radio. <laughs> <laughs> While he's doing that, he's had three weeks off too, so he should be nice and fresh. He's worrying me a bit, Hunty, because I yes, can see I can him see, here. He's, yes. he's got that worried he's look on his for face. the mute button. It's down the bottom. <laughs> Help him, Hunty. Next to the red thing at the bottom and then the microphone icon. There should be a slice through it, and you need to hit it so it's not muted anymore. No, no we, we've we got, looks like we've not got past a hug. Okay, let's go for plan B. Let's call him on the phone. Oh, no, we've got him. We've got him. Woo-hoo. Beautiful. Welcome to live radio, Harold. How are you going? So far, so good, Lloyd. Actually, you're sounding wonderful. Great. Uh, did you have a good break? Yes, I've had a great time, and it's good that lockdown's now over. Well, it's kind of over, mate. <laughs> we can get from the Central Coast to Wollongong. When I can get to my kids up at Foster, then it's over. Well, even, right. let me go even further. When I can get to my dad and mum in Brisbane, then it's over. That's better. I mean, we've all got family. I know you've got family up there in Brisbane too. and We've even got some on the Central Coast we can't get to. You can now, can't you? No, we can't go to Sydney or Central Coast. Ah, that's right. I keep, I keep thinking you're still living on the Central Coast, but you're up Kurumbong Way. That's right. Yeah, in Newcastle. So you really are free. You can go. You can go from Newcastle to the border, man, and anywhere you want in New South Wales, other than us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to talk about someone interesting today. His name is Aidan. Again, one of the mighty heroes of the church in Britain. Um, where was Aidan from? Tell us a little bit about him. Well, Aidan, he came from Ireland, and he came from the area called Connaught. Actually, it's amazing how many of these guys did come from Ireland. Seems to be a hotbed of genuine Celtic, primitive, beautiful Christianity. It was. It was a big centre, and uh, he was another one who came from there and shared the message of Jesus everywhere. Do we know when Aidan was born and when he died? Yes, he was born about 590. Okay. And uh, he lived... Uh, and died in 651, so he would have been 61 years of age when he died. Back in those days, that actually wasn't a, a bad age, was it? That was a good age then, yes. You could almost say he made it into old age when most of them would have been uh, dead at 40. Now, Aidan is a Christian. Where did he train? Aidan came to the uh, island of Iona that was started by Columba, and he trained there to be a... Celtic uh, Christian monk and a missionary. Do we know why he actually came to Iona or we don't really get... Because he came from Ireland to Iona, which is a fair distance. And the the reason I ask that question, there would have been colleges, I would guess, in Ireland as well. Yes, there were. But let me tell you, Iona at that stage was about equal to a university and it was a great centre that trained even princes and we might mention one of them soon, yep. who came there and studied and they spread 
Celtic Christianity, the Christianity of the apostles of Jesus. So by this time, Iona had really got a, a hold of at least Scotland. That's and, right. And, and starting to reach into northern England. That's correct. Um, so he turns up to Iona. Um, what sort of Bible doctrines, you kind of mentioned um, ancient Christianity there of the apostles. What's, what sort of doctrines would he have learnt at Iona? Well, he would have, the, the Celtic Christians believed in having a married priesthood. They believed in observing the seventh day of the week as the Sabbath. They loved and, and taught the Ten Commandments and they believed in salvation by grace alone. And they also looked forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And one other thing, they baptised as Jesus was baptised by immersion. Actually, when I listen to that, I almost see the... Oh, I don't know whether I'm going too far here, Harold, but I almost see the roots of my own church in that movement. That's there, yes. Yeah. Um, now, he was a serious sort of man. What was he? What was Aidan known for? Well, he was known for his asceticism, which means living a very, very strict life. And uh, he just wanted to live totally for Jesus Christ. Okay, so this here you've got a sober, serious, diligent, hard-studying, uh, deeply converted man of Christ, young man of Christ. Um, tell us a bit about the Britain that uh, Aidan came to. Was it Christian? Was it pagan? Um in fact, I think at, at the stage he comes onto the scene, am I right in saying that paganism had almost overwhelmed Britain? That's true. Christianity came early with a few Roman soldiers and then, of course, Patrick in Ireland and the Columba. But the Anglo-Saxon pagans and all their gods, you know, there was Thor, the god of war, there was Woden, all of these, that almost obliterated Christianity at that time. So where did God call Aidan to as a, as a missionary, a pastor, a minister? Well, Aidan was called to be a missionary in the northern part of England. We call it Northumbria, and that was his centre, but he roamed all over northern England. Okay, now, there was a king at the time, or a prince, you like to call him Oswald. Actually, Harold, I know a bit, a bit, a bit about Oswald. Right. He's a Briton. Yes. And he was one of the kings of England, if you like, even though it was yes. in the north, who yes. genuinely stood up to the pagan Saxons. He actually won some very key battles, I don't know whether you know this, against the Saxons. Right. Uh, and so he was a warrior, but he was also a believer, as was Aidan. Tell us a little bit about Oswald. Well, Oswald, when he was a young fellow in the year 616, he had to go from his home and he was kept in, in hiding virtually on Iona. And that's where he learnt primitive Christianity. And later when he goes back to Northumbria and becomes king, he wants to bring that Christianity, which meant so much to him, to all of his people. Can I tell you a quick story about Oswald? I bet you don't know this oh. one, Harold. He's in the Look. middle of a battle against the Saxons. It's a fierce one, yep. and it, things are going badly. In fact, it looks like his forces of, of Christian uh, uh, Britons are about to be overrun by the pagan Saxons. In the middle of this battle, true story, he drops onto his knees, wow. and he prays to Christ. And Oswald records, as he well, he's, the historians record, as he was praying to Christ, the battle turned, and he won it. And so wow. Oswald was actually operating in a very hostile environment, not just for Christianity, but for his people. 
And here he is, raised on Iona. Obviously, God gets into his heart and he has a real experience here. And he goes after missionaries to reach his people who had been impacted by paganism. Where does he go? Where would you think he'd go when he'd been brought up for a while on Iona? It was like his spiritual home. And he says, this is the best Christianity there is. And so he sent word to Iona, please send a missionary to my people here in Northumbria. And who did they send? Well, they first of all sent a guy called Coleman, but uh, he didn't have uh, much success. He was a very harsh guy. And he uh, a good man, to- though, wasn't he? Good man. Oh, yeah, good guy. Yeah. But his mannerisms weren't appealing to the people. And then Aidan was sent to take his place. How did Aidan go? Aidan was a great, he was a gem. He was a real missionary for Christ and uh, he really made his mark right across Britain. Let me tell you this. Someone has said, a Bishop Lightfoot who wrote and said, Augustine was the apostle of Kent, but Aidan was the apostle of the English. Yeah. He was really a great guy. He's a humble guy and he loved the people and the people loved him back. That's for sure. Now, I like this about these guys. He goes and sets up a school, just yeah. like just like Patrick did with Iona, not Patrick, uh, Columba, mm-hmm. and Patrick yeah. did in Ireland. This yes. guy goes and sets a school up. Tell us about that. Well, if you can train the young people and, and train them right, you've got a new generation. Yeah. And so he's, he found a nice island not far from Bamberg, which was where the king lived, just across the waters, this island of Lindisfarne, and he said, let me make my school here. Wonderful story, really, isn't it? Tell us, just remind us about that island, because we did talk about it in the previous program, but I want to, you remind us about that island, because it's a peculiar sort of place. It is, because on the uh, the way into into Lindisfarne, it gets covered with the tide and high tide, and you only have two or three hours to get across, and then you have to wait and get back. And so it's isolated by water for half of the time. I can remember. You probably can't remember, Pastor, <laughs> but I can remember when you took us to Lindisfarne way back many years ago, more than I want to think, but you took us there, and I remember you being quite concerned that we all get in the bus and get back. We would have got caught by the tide and stuck there for, <laughs> I don't know, eight, ten hours. That's right. <laughs> in fact, there are cars getting stuck on that causeway all the time, so it's quite... So in a sense, that would have protected that school a little bit too, correct? Right. They were a bit more isolated, and that's where the Lord used Aiden to in, encourage and to instruct so many other young people. So how successful was... If you want to look at his life, how successful was he in taking the gospel to northern England? Aidan was really a great guy with the backing of King Oswald. He would walk. uh, There were no cars in those days, but he would walk from village to village and he would talk and tell them uh, about the the message of Jesus and how they're saved and it spread right across northern England. It was rich, really, his ministry that kept Celtic Christianity alive right through the north of England. How did he practically do it? Did he run big evangelism programs? Did he, did he, what, what did he do? No, he was just a gentle person who would uh, relate to the people in the villages and uh, then when there was a time to sit down and tell a story, he would tell the story of Jesus and what it meant to him and these people began to follow him. 
Now, I like this part of the story. It's really <laughs> cool. Who would go with Aiden? What, what, uh, this, I was stunned when I read this. Who would go with Aiden? Because Aiden, when he first comes to England, Northern England was not speaking, I guess, rudimentary English that they had back then, right. which we might not even understand ourselves now, uh, yeah. brother. But uh, who would he take as his interpreter? I love this part of the story. Well, Aidan, he came speaking Gaelic yep. because he came from Ireland and he would speak that. But the king, Oswald, said, I'll come with you and translate into English. Now, fancy having the king as your interpreter. Wouldn't the people listen to you? Yeah. I'll tell you what, it really shows you how committed Oswald was. to. He really was. I've actually read a fair bit about this guy. There's not a lot in history, but there's enough to get a, a fair idea. He, he, in some sense, was one of the first great kings. Some would argue that it was Arthur earlier on, but, but this is one of the first great kings that tried to unite at least the northern part, but a lot of England together yeah. to resist the Saxons. He was a great king. The interesting thing is, Harold, that you wouldn't say that he was absolutely successful in resisting the Saxons because he died with, the, with, with England still split between Saxon and Britain, but he actually was instrumental in getting the gospel to the Saxons too. Did you know that? Yes. yes. A lot of Saxons actually accepted Jesus Christ but because of Oswald and... and, and um, Aiden. Aiden, yeah, okay. Um, what was Aiden's relationship? Because about the same time the Pope and Catholicism, you mentioned Augustine, were coming into England. What yeah. They were coming into the south. Um, Aiden is more to the north. What, what was the relationship between Aiden and the papacy? Well, uh, Augustine came in 597 to Kent and went to Canterbury and made that their headquarters. Here is Aiden up in the north using Lindisfarne as his base and King Oswald, but he would not accept the papal doctrines and he said the scripture, the holy scriptures are our only thing that we live by and we study them, the life of the apostles and how they taught from the scriptures. And so the differences was marked. One of their biggest differences was over Easter and that caused the split a bit later when the Celtic church had to move northwards and westwards, but they certainly had nothing to do with the apostles or the missionaries from Rome who came to southern England. I'm asking this question blind, so I don't know the answer. Uh, were these guys Sabbath keepers, Harold? Celtic Christianity was known for its Sabbath keeping. In fact, when we dealt with Columba on Iona, he died and he said this is the Sabbath day and he died on it and they are known by historians as keeping of the Seventh-day Sabbath. So Patrick, Columba and now Aidan are all Seventh-day Sabbath keepers. That's right. So really what you've got in England is a, a contest for the people's Correct. hearts, one with the true gospel, one with the papal gospel. Um, very interesting times. Of course, paganism was in the mix there. You said he died at 61. Do we know how he died, why he died? Well, he yeah, well, he just fell off, I guess. It might have been a heart attack or something. But he was at Bamberg, that's the king's place, yep. where Oswald lived, and he just leaned against the wall of the, of the town and he just died there at age 61. You could say he died on his feet preaching the gospel. Yes. Not a bad way to go, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Who replaced him? Did he, did he, did, had he trained people up to replace him or did the, did the movement just die off when he died? What happened? 
No, there were four other brothers who came and said, and Chad was one, Chad was sent to Ireland by Aidan for further education in the Celtic Church schools and he came back. And so Aidan believed in training others who would take the, the gospel on after he left. And some of these men became the leaders of the church for many years afterwards. That's true. So when you look at the life of Aidan, which you know fairly well, what lessons does Aidan's life have for us today, Harold? Well, I think Aidan, while he was a, lived a fairly strict life, he lived by the, the Bible, he lived by the book, the Holy Scriptures, and he was known for his gentleness and he shared that because it meant so much to him how he was saved only by the death of Jesus and not by anything else, and that was what he passed on to others. Fabulous story again, Harold Harker. Loved it. And I'm looking great. forward to you bringing some more of these great heroes to life for us. Just wonderful stuff. God bless you. See you next God. time. All the best. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Good story, hunty. Absolutely. Did you enjoy that? I did. Yeah, beautiful story. Now, you know what? When we put this program together, you came back at me and you said, <laughs> Lloyd, you haven't given me a song. That's song right. number three. But before we go to song number two. Oh, was it number two? Yes. I would oh. actually like to give them a plug for our Ask the Aussie Pastor segment. Even though uh, we've done it? We haven't done it. Not yet. This is our first time back. Correct. So I'm allowed to be a bit rusty. <laughs> no worries. So you know what we have done. Coming up after we, this we, next we, song, we practiced. <laughs> we practiced Aussie Pasta, but we couldn't practice properly because we never had all the questions in. That's right. <laughs> so excuse me for my confusion as I get older. Go for it, mate. So yes, before our next song, I just want to give you a, a heads up that the segment after the next song is Ask the Aussie Pasta. So you still have chance to get your questions in. We'd love to hear from you. You can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us info at aussiepastor dot com. So, so get the questions in. I actually, yeah, we'd th- love to hear th- from this you. This is our first time back, so we don't have too many carryover questions. Only the one. <laughs> <laughs> so we need you guys to get the questions in. That's Any it. question, and, and I'll otherwise have- it'll be a very short segment. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't worry you because we're usually behind time anyway. We are now. <laughs> are we behind time? A are few we? minutes. Oh, okay. Well, let's get on with it. Our, okay. Our next song, Hunty, is I Love to Tell a Story from Tammy Larson. Beautiful Indeed. song. Indeed. Tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of the Savior and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. Yeah. 
is about the old, old story, isn't it, Hunty? Indeed. Um, where would we be without it? Correct. The beautiful story of Jesus. Jesus, yeah. And how he died yep. and paid the price for our sins and gives us sinners. And we chance. all are. Yeah. Gives us sinners a chance of salvation. I think we're That's getting it. close to the time in history where we're going to look past who people are and what they've done and look to Jesus and say he's the only way out of here and all band together, despite what we've done in the past, move together as one church. I'm talking about the people of God to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Yep. I believe these are the time. This is not a time of judgment now. Yep. This is time of salvation. Where are we up to in this program? We well, are friend? up to Ask the Aussie Pastor. Ah, the one I thought we'd already... How, how could I even imagine we've done that when this section puts me under more pressure well, than Well, it is program other. 29. We've done a few of these. Yeah, that's because we've had three weeks. Oh, did you enjoy having that three weeks off? I enjoyed not seeing you for three weeks. Oh, I, I, well, let me be the good bloke here. I missed you. Oh, rums. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, you won't believe this first question. Yeah. You know how we said we weren't going to talk about vaccination today? Oh. The first question, is the SDA church pro or anti-vax? Well, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> well, here we are again. <laughs> um, the Seventh-day Adventist church is, now hear me out on this one, pro-vaccination. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we run one of the biggest private hospital, if not the biggest private hospital, other than the Catholic system in the world. It's huge. Yep. In fact, uh, I just heard yesterday that we've lost, what is it, 70,000 Adventists yeah. from COVID. 70,000. And yep. 400, 400 plus nurses and mm. over 40 top line, front line specialist doctors. Yeah. And I do know that our system, though, is instrumental in taking the COVID vaccine to the world. Yep. And that's why they're dying, because they're on the front line. Yep. And they're battling for people's lives. So, yes, we are pro, unashamedly, really, pro-vaccination. doesn't mean every Adventist is pro-vax. That's right. But officially the church is. And Hunty and I actually go with the church on this. Yes. Which is a good thing. We're pro-vax. But we're also pro-support. Well, that's where choice. we're going to go. We're, yeah. Not only, yeah. though, is the Adventist church pro-vax, it is pro-choice. Yes. What does that mean, Hunty? That means we don't want to impose our will upon you. That's right. We mm. believe, actually, people have a right to say what goes in their bodies and what doesn't. In fact, I've been picked up by a couple of our listeners um, who've said, why do you insist on making vaccinations mandatory? Well, well, I don't. But I guess all the talk that I have that I have let loose recently would make you think that way, but I also am pro-choice. Well, we've got to be careful of hunting we on don't. the radio. I'm looking for one of those 10-second kill buttons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <to> rewind and <laughs> kill. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Go back in time. Um, but, but, yeah, well, look, we're pro-vax, but we're also pro- We are strongly, strongly pro-choice. I can't... We're as strongly pro-choice as we are pro-vax. That's right. People need to understand that. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means that when my church opens up at New Hope, it means that when every other Adventist church in Australia welcomes up, whether you're vaccinated or not, you are welcome, and it's going to be a big, huge, warm welcome Correct. to our churches to worship. And we don't mind whether you're vaccinated or not. That's it's right. not. And I want to stress this in this time of division. Remember, I never brought this up today, Hunter. No. I want to stress this in this time of division. Vaccination or not is not a test of fellowship. This no. is an issue of health. That's right. It's not a test of fellowship. It's not a test on whether you follow Christ or not. You know, when Jesus comes... There'll be people who've been vaccinated and the people being 
unvaccinated. That's you know what right. matters when Jesus comes that you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right, so your heart. I can tell you from my heart today, yeah. and this is from my heart, that whether you're vaccinated or whether you're unvaccinated, I count you as a brother and a sister in Amen. Christ. I respect Me your too. right to make these decisions as you choose and you will be welcome in my church. You'll be welcome in the Adventist church either way until Jesus comes. That's so it. here's my advice. Don't let this very divisive subject divide you from your church, from your family or your friends. It's just not worth it. Give people room, give them respect and let them be what they will be. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's no is there any other COVID questions? No, that's all I've seen. Because if there is, <laughs> no, let's it. get it out of the no, way. That's it. No. Okay. Next question is about I, angels. <laughs> I try not to mention COVID again. Okay. The next question um it's about angels. Do angels have ranks? I suspect so. Really? But I don't know much about it. Because I'm a Bible man, and so I go strictly from what the Bible says. But I do know this, that Lucifer, who later became Satan, yep. was the covering cherub, or the Bible says the head angel of heaven. So if he's the head angel of heaven, there's at least a rank of the head and then the angels, isn't he? Yes. He was the commander of the Lord's armies. Now, he was subject to Jesus, to God. But he, other than that, he was the, he, he would stand by the throne of God. The Bible says it very clearly. He was a covering cherub. His wing would cover the throne of God. He watched God rule the universe. He was a head angel. So he got at least that rank. How, how, how much further you can go than that? Well, I wouldn't go any further than the Bible. Right. So I don't know. Right. And I don't, I hear people making all sorts of strange things up about angels. I've got a little bit of advice to you when it comes to angels. Don't go any further than what the Bible says. And you know what, Humpty? The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about angels, mate. Yeah. And that's good advice on any topic, really. Oh, very. Absolutely. If it's in the Bible, great. If it's not, don't go there. Have I answered that question? Well done. Well now, this, done. This next question oh. is a real noodle scratcher. A noodle you will be You will be struggling to get me to give you a well done on this next one. What's a noodle scratcher? Well, your noodle's your head. So it make me scratch my head? It'll make you think hard. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Who made God? God is not created. No one made him. He has always been. Well, that's why it's a noodle scratcher. That well, makes, makes no sense. It 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 make you scratch your noodle, <laughs> but I'm not scratching my noodle. <laughs> you know why it's hard for human beings, in, in all seriousness, to come to why? Why grips with the concept that God has no beginning. That God stop and think about it for a, a minute. A trillion years ago, God was there. Okay, a trillion times a trillion years ago, God was there. Wow. A trillion, billion, trillion, trillion times, a trillion, trillion times, another trillion years ago, God was there. Now, why we have to scratch our heads is because that's way outside our paradigms. I'll illustrate what I mean, Hunty. Yep. Our listeners can't see this studio in your front room, but you can. Yep. Have a look around. Yep. Is there anything in this studio that doesn't have a beginning? Not that I can say. Okay, walk outside. Yep. Travel through Sydney. Go around Australia. Get in a plane like you have and go around the world. How many countries you said you've been to? Uh, a lot. A hundred. I don't know. Probably more. Um, ask yourself the question, Hunty, in all your travels. I often say to Hunty, man, if you died today, you could never say that God didn't give you a good life. Yeah, exactly. You have been everywhere, man. Exactly. Have you ever seen anything that didn't have a beginning? No. That's the whole point. In our world... In our paradigm, yeah. the way our head works, what we're brought into, everything has a beginning and everything actually has a an end. end. Right. Not with God. 
He has no beginning. He was there in the past. He is there now and he is there into the future. God marches through time like you go down to the corner shop for one of those famous, wow. one of those famous uh, chocolate-covered ice creams that you enjoy. <laughs> By the way, you broke your diet the other night, didn't you? I, I, I done well after a month of absolute religiously. And then on Saturday, it. no, not Saturday, Sunday Monday, night. Monday night, Monday morning, yep. Sunday night. When now I know we're we're moving away from the <laughs> subject here, but I need to let the listeners know this. On Monday morning at twelve oh one a.m., you blew your diet. I did. I had a I had a beautiful. Chocolate coated ice what cream. What sort of ice cream was it? I was at Bondi Beach and I went to the only store open, which was an all night servo. Yeah, yeah. And I had my favourite, which is caramel flavoured ice cream. Do you, do you remember what brand it is? I'm living vicariously oh. through you here, mate, at the market. I don't know, I just had it in the freezer there, unwrapped it, and it was delicious. I'm sure it was. <laughs> okay, man, uh, did we, yeah, so so when it comes to the age of God, let's get back on yes. ice creams. Yes. We're both, we're both living. Can you tell in, we're both on diets? We're, we're both living in the moment here, Distracted man. by an ice cream. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, ice creams are beautiful. Right, let, me, let me go to the next question. They're what so, do you reckon? They're so <laughs> bad for you, but they're so beautiful. Yeah, God has no beginning. Yep. And that is hard, but I'll tell you what, it doesn't hurt, Hunty, to sit back sometimes, contemplate and meditate on that. It's actually good for your brain. Okay. All right. Um, this next question is a ripper as well. well it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a question a lot of Adventists in the Adventist church I know struggle with this. Um, in the Trinity, isn't there three gods? Ah, oh, the good old Trinity. <laughs> Look, the Seventh-day Adventist Church believes in the Trinity along with the rest of Protestantism. And it is a different Trinity somewhat than the Catholic Trinity. That I'm not saying good or bad on that. I'm just saying that's a reality. Right. Um, no, we don't serve three gods. We serve one. One God expressed in three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, all are God. They are God in themselves, but they're not three gods. They're God in one. You know, we could spend a lot of time on this and we could get people confused. And here's the only way I've been able to get somewhat my head around that. Hunty, when you married Jackie, you walk into the church, yep. to the chapel, I think you got yep. married in. Chapel, yep. You walk in as single individual people. Yep. The pastor works a miracle and you walk out, you don't walk out just the two of you. You walk out of Trinity. You, yep. Yep. Jackie, and, and God. God. Yep. The three of you. Three have become one. Mm, it's not one. that you're it's not that you're God, you're not. Yep. But you are one in Christ. Well we do we do make decisions together. We do yeah. act as one. Now I know that's not going to satisfy a lot of people, but the the reality is, mate, and I, and I wish I could say it differently, I spent a lot of time thinking about the Trinity and there's mystery to it, and I think there's meant to be. Right. We can't understand God properly. But I know in Genesis one God said, Let us plural make man in our plural image. The Trinity is there from Genesis 1. I can show you in Genesis 1 the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Maybe we do that next week, Hunty. Yeah, it'd be a good Bible I'll show study. you the Father, the yep. Son, and the Holy Spirit in creation and onwards in the Bible everywhere. You hold me to that, Hunty, because I'm likely to forget. Okay, let's do it. So, yeah, uh, we don't serve three gods. We serve one. Okay, good. All right, moving on. Um, is, the, is the Islamic God and the Christian God the same God? Wow, what a question. I know, right? Uh, I, look, I probably won't give as clear an answer as you want here. Sometimes yes, 
Sometimes no. How so? Well, what did I just say about our God? One God expressed in yep, three, persons, three persons, Father, yep. Son, and Holy Spirit. Islam, for better or worse, does not accept that Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God. They see Jesus as a prophet, often an under-prophet to Muhammad. Right. Well, Christians, of course, don't see it like that. We see Jesus as God. We worship him. We bow before him. We acknowledge him as a saviour, as our intercessor, as the one who died for us, who was resurrected. The Islamic... Uh, Movement doesn't acknowledge that Jesus died or was resurrected. So in that sense, they serve a different God. Does that make sense, Auntie? Yeah, okay. However, you've got to be careful here. Yep. I believe there are many people of the Islam faith that call upon God and the great God of heaven, the triune God in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That God hears them, he accepts their worship, he listens to them, and he comes for them. And I say that in the back of this. I'm seeing in our own ministry more people from the movement of Islam come to Christ than the other group on the planet. I might yes, share some true. stories that's about true. that sometime. But if you I go and have a look at our, mm. our Facebook pages, our, our YouTube, we yep. get more people coming to Christ, and that is God calling them. And so that's why I say it depends. Mm. In some sense, not the same God but I know that God marches into Islam and it's the God they're calling upon and it's a real God. In fact, there's not a, you know what, Hunty? There's not a movement, there's not a religion on the on the entire planet that God won't march into and call his people out. Yeah, amen. It's a beautiful mm. thing. And the Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, he died for the Christian, he died for the Muslim, he died for the Buddhist, he died for the Hindu, he died for every. Body, He loves everybody and if you let him he'll claim you and he'll claim you no matter where you've been and what you've done, he'll claim you for himself. Hmm. I like that question actually. Mm. I hope I did all right on it. Yeah, no, you did good. I, I don't, that helped me. Thank you. Yeah. All right, next question. Did Jesus sin as a child? <laughs> what do you reckon? Well, I don't know. I mean, did he, did he when he was a toddler, did he demand his, his binky or his... Or his bottle of he was sinless. Juice. He was sinless from conception to death to resurrection to glorification back into heaven. There is no time that Jesus ever committed a sin. Right. No time. Not not ever. He was sinless. He was perfect. So how was he sinless and perfect as a child? I got a simple answer for that. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. But I accept by faith the Bible narrative that yep. says he was sinless. Yep. I can guess, which I never think is a good idea when it comes to the Bible. No. And so on in these areas where I don't have a lot of information, I tend to just stay quiet and accept by faith. When Jesus said, when the Bible says Jesus without sin, and the Bible's very clear on that in passage mm, after true. passage that is after true. passage, then I'm going to accept that. And he has to be without sin because he's my saviour. He's my intercessor. I accept it. I believe it. Do I know how? Not exactly. Hmm. I know how he did it. Is he is he matured and got of age? He did it the same way we do. Well, we can't be sinless, but he overcame as we. Mm. He showed us how to overcome. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. But uh, uh, did he ever sin? Not a chance. Excellent. This next question, I think we might have had before, but it's is this a the ripper. last one? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, who wrote the Bible? Yeah, we have had that question before. We don't mind getting questions no, we, again, we though, do we? No, nope. feel uh, free. Men, all men, 39, maybe 40 of them. 
over 15, 1600 years wrote the Bible, inspired by God. They wrote in their language, in their way, in their style, but God was in their head through the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, inspiring them, and they wrote the Bible. Mm. So that's it, simple answer, 39, 40 men over 1,600 years. And the amazing thing is every time you get into the Bible and you read it, you can see the supernatural influence of God, the Holy Spirit in it. It's incredible. The Bible is like an onion. Do you know what an onion has? I do. What? It has many layers. That's it, and that's the Bible. You read it once and you read it at one layer. You read it again and you go down to the next layer. You can never run out of the layers in the Bible. It's the most amazing book in all of Earth's history. I testify to that. It's an unbelievable book. You You never get sick of reading it. You never get bored. You never go to a place where you can't continue to learn because the Holy Spirit is in it. When you learn it, amazing. But, yeah, no women wrote the Bible either, hunty. It's all men. Mm. This is the last question that just, just came in. Are Christians the only ones... Who go to heaven? Uh, who are you, Hunty? I'm a Christian. But who are you? Um, hungry? <laughs> you can't be hungry. I saw you just eat a hit. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you mean? Well, who are you? You're Andrew. I'm Andrew Hunt. That's it. Are Christians the only ones that will go to heaven, whose job is it to decide that? Oh, I see where you're going Is it your this. job? Is it mine? I get it. I get Who's, it. Who decides who goes to heaven or not? Or not? Yeah, the man, the, the God who sees their hearts. God. Yeah. It, it, I, I never answer questions like that because you're asking me a question only God can answer. Whew. Well, congratulations uh, to our listener. God, God. You finally lobbed a question across to pass the Lord that made us all think. <laughs> well, God is God. God judges. God decides. That's right. Only thing I can say is accept Jesus Christ as your saviour. Let him into your heart. And when you let Jesus into your heart, he'll stand for you as an intercessor. And when Jesus, when he comes, when Jesus comes, because he's your intercessor, because he stands between you and God, you'll be ready for eternity. Simple thing. Ask Jesus in your heart and you'll be saved. Otherwise, who's going and who's not? You better go ask God that question. Good question. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Is this your song now, Hunty? Yes, this is my can, pick. Can, can I remind what happened? Can I just tell what happened? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I got the program, I put it all together diligently, and I missed out song three. Hunty rings me and he says, you didn't put a song in for song three, because I like to choose the music, don't I? He does like to choose the music. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I, this is my um, my first song choice, I think. <laughs> uh, so I said, Hunter, you choose, and he was just thrilled. I was. So I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you present this song and yes. lead us into it. All right, one of my favourite Christian artists. Uh, they're the Heritage Singers. They've been around for a very long time, and this great song is entitled "The King Is Coming." Place is empty, no more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent, no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors in the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended. 
Pastor Alban, I think you've got him on the phone. I've hunting. got him on the phone. Yeah, yeah we can hear hey, him. Hey, Lloyd, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. I have worked with uh, Andrew this morning. We set it all up and for some reason. Now I'm trying to find my way back and uh, you know how it is, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that you, like me, and technology doesn't always go hand in hand. So yeah. I'm just glad to have you on board. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, you have an interesting life. I'm not sure how many years ago we met, but it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I remember the first I heard of this guy called Alban Matahiti, who was coming to work as one of my colleagues with me in Warunga, and I'm I'm thinking, who is this guy, and, and, and where is he from? And someone said Albania. Mate, I actually had to go online and look up where Albania was. Tell us a little bit yeah. about where you were born. You were born in Albania, correct? Yes, correct. I was born in Albania a long time ago. Not as long as you, Lloyd, but a longer, <laughs> long time. <laughs> you, you, you like long that too, don't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all heading up in the right direction there. But, um, yeah, so I was born in Albania, and, um, yeah, that's um, a small country, um, uh, a, a, a communist country. Um, not long ago, I was actually preaching a sermon about David 
dislodging the Jebusite. Yep. And um, the Jebusite say to David, tell David, look, you really think you got into, you're going to get into Jerusalem. You better think again, you know, even the blind and the lame will, will ward you off. And, and David got so upset about it. And the reason why they're so uh, arrogant about it, because many had tried and had failed to dislodge the Jebusite. And the reason being is that they had some of the most formidable defense systems, you know, so Albania, almost like the Jebusite, yep. was um, a very highly fortified country to the madness, and that's what people remember how communist Albania under, bunkers, so, tunnels so, everywhere, so, yeah, that's where I was born. You, you were born into a communist country, um, what sort of family did you grow up, were, were they communist? Uh, well, yes and no, I mean... Everybody is highly influenced at the time, you know. It's fair to say that my my family was not a sort of anti-communist family. I think my parents, my dad was in the army, and my mum uh, is a librarian. So um, I think, um, yeah, so, you know, everybody. So I wasn't highly communist, but, um, you know, very much part of the part of the system. Of As you're growing up in communism, I often wonder this, were, were you free at all? Could you express how you think? Could you, or, or was it a very restricted sort of upbringing? Yeah, look, um, I think um, growing up under that, um, that, uh, that system is a very unique kind of experience. Most of the kids that grew up under the eastern sort of block will share the family, similar thoughts. I think um, critical thinking is not encouraged. Obviously, um, you know the learning process is based on repetition, and you know pretty much. Uh, could you could uh, you get into trouble as a kid if you if you said something against the government or you said something that you shouldn't have said? Uh, that wasn't even an option, Lloyd, at the time. So, <laughs> let alone getting in trouble, there wasn't even an option. Was Were you scared? You um. Look, you didn't even know what was the other option, if you know what I'm saying. This is how, how much isolated the country was, you know? So um, you were just used to one thing that comes top down, and you kind of have no idea what's out there. And for us, uh, growing up in Albania, which people don't understand being in, under that kind of um, uh, isolation, is that you actually have no idea what the world outside looks like. All that is based upon the propaganda that you receive on daily basis, which kind of tends to sort of darken that picture and make it sort of a frightening reality. So how did, how did I, I actually don't know the answer to this, how did um, Albania break free from communism? Were you there when that happened? Well, yes, I was there. I was 15 at the time, and um, I think it, it was part of the sort of the domino effect of um, 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell. Look, pretty much communism was a, um, it, it wasn't a failed experiment. I think, um, all the communist country ru- got ruined financially in the end. I think they went bankrupt. Yep. And it was that, um, uh, financial bankruptcy that really made life almost impossible that pretty much people, um, and after the sort of the fall of Berlin Wall where, um, people sort of aspire to a new uh, Europe, a new, a new reality. So, much in, in, in your country, Albania, it wasn't a violent uprising or anything like that. Communism just kind of died. Is that what you're saying? Not it died. I think there was uprising, but there wasn't a bloodshed. You know, so people went into the street and demanding rights because that they were 
sort of hearing what the neighboring countries were yep. doing, and I think that started the process. There were some, there were victims, but not to a large extent like um, the change of regime happened in um, in Romania, for yeah. example, where a lot of people died. So it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, like that. As know? a 16-year-old boy, as, as, as Albania is breaking out of communism and you're 16, did you know what was happening and did you find it exciting or did you kind of did it just go over your head? Look, I think, um, I think we all knew that uh, things had to change because, as I said, the country was almost impoverished, you yeah, know. It yeah. was um, at the stage of, um, it was, you know, the hunger was, just around the corner and okay. um, uh, access to vital things was very limited and life was extremely hard. So it wasn't a big deal for people to understand that something had to change and we knew that we were so isolated that uh, there was no help around the place. And did you realise, as 16, did you realise big things were happening? Of course, of course, of course. Tell us, tell us a bit more about your family. Um, you, you said your dad was in the army. You kind of grew up in a communist family, but not over the top. Um, were they Christian at all? Well, my mum uh, had faith, and she still has faith, and she called herself Orthodox. But faith was never something we talked like any other family. Uh, faith and religion was, was not talked um, at all. I mean... In 1967, Albania became the only um, country in the world that banned religion in their constitution, you know? Wow. So expressing any kind of form of faith was um, was a dangerous business or understanding or just talking about it. And so I think that created a major void in people's spirituality. Though I don't believe that people sort of gave up faith in their own lives, you know? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think people sort of um, uh, kept uh, that to themselves, but it wasn't something that uh, it was taught in the families for the fear that you know, if U.S. kids would mention something outside, you know, things could easily get complicated. Okay, well, well, here you are, sixteen-year-old boy, change is sweeping across the world, across Eastern Europe, including your country. You're kind of brought up in communism, haven't got a, a, a huge Christian background. How did you? How just a short story? How did you become? A Protestant Seventh Day Adventist. Well, a, a long story uh, short, there's two things, and I think I can share a little bit more. Number one, an evangelist came into the into into the country in 1992. Pastor David Curry to run. He's an Australian. He's an Australian. Yes. yes okay. Yes, he's an, he just uh, passed away um, uh, just a few weeks back. You know, he did. A very, um, Yes. I actually didn't uh, know that. Did you Did you go to the funeral? No, well, nobody could go because... Oh, so you were on Zoom, online. But um, I attended on Zoom. And it was, I think it was a bit of a surreal experience. Only 400 people attended yeah. the Zoom funeral, you know? And, and so he comes into the amazing. country and, and runs a program and, what, you went to it? So, yes, he does. And he was uh, uh, promoted on the... I think it was on the... There was only one channel in national television at that time and... He was promoted, and the second thing was a friend of mine invited me to go. He was going to go and invited me to go. So second thing was, I would say, there was an invitation by a friend that uh, wasn't an Adventist. He said, I'm nothing to do today. I'm going to go there, come along. And so I went, and we went together. And as they say, Lloyd, the rest is history. <laughs> what was it like as a, as a boy brought up in a communist country like that, 
first hearing the story of Jesus? What what sort of impact did that have on you personally? Well, there is a number of emotions that go through a person's um, mind. You know, first of all, um, why are these people here? You know, yeah. And I think the and you can say that in a in a in a country where everything is pretty very much isolated. You know, when these people came over, there was a you could tell that there was something different about them. You yeah, know, the yeah. way they conducted themselves, the way they they held themselves, and I, I think uh, something to say that. You know, I think Christian menace are very important. They really do make a difference yeah. in, in many ways. And I think that was the part that the first thing was um, uh, a point. The second thing was, it was just exciting to hear the new things about archaeology and religion was a, almost a, a forbidden land and just understanding a little bit more about this. And I think that was typical of what went on in the whole Eastern Bloc. You know, at the time there was a genuine interest in faith yeah. and and in religious matter. And I think part of that because I think at the time the country was so um, on financial duress that, that any any message of hope was exciting and beautiful, you know? So you Let get, alone you the get, preaching of the gospel. Yeah, you get baptized. Yes. Were you one of the first people to be baptized into this Adventist Christian into this Jesus Christ in your country, or how did, were there many before you? How did that work? No, that uh, that was the interesting part of that. There was um, um, Pastor Curry came in January, and then he came back in April to run the mission. And at the end of the mission, he had thirty six baptisms, and he did that on um, I think two or three Sabbaths. And on the last Sabbath, I was the one that got baptized on the second of May, nineteen ninety two, and. Um, I think uh, on that particular weekend or just the weekend after, he was the one that established the first church. So by default, I became a founding member of the, <laughs> the, first. Of the first church in Albania, you know. And uh, about two months later, he asked me if I wanted to be a minister, which at that time I was just about uh, in my last year of my high school studies. And I said yes, not knowing really what I was saying yes to, but... <laughs> It was all part of the excitement at that moment, you know. So you went and trained in England, is that right? Yes. So that was the only um, that was the only um, uh, tertiary education institution that we had. I mean, Albania was under Trans European Division, and that was uh, the college that they both um, made available for us. And I didn't go immediately. I went for about uh, three years later. So. Yep. At the meantime, I worked as a sort of a Bible worker, lay volunteer pastor, and as an you know. But yeah, um, yeah. I think around 1996, that's when I went. So about three years later, that's when I I did take my trip to go and, and pursue further study. Well, you have a beautiful walk with Jesus, Pastor Alban, and I know that because you and I lived together in the same house yes. for many years, and we worked together. And you do have a beautiful walk yes. with Jesus. You become a yes. pastor. You end up in Australia. Just the short story, how does this, <laughs> it's incredible really, Albanian boy, trained now in England, of all places, end up in Australia? Yes, um, that's a long story I guess in itself, um, boy, that, but that was a few years later. So in the meantime, when I finished college, I went back to Albania and I worked there for a number of years, you know. And yep. I did get ordained in Albania. Yep. Um, I was the first Albanian uh, pastor to ever be ordained, and that was a 
um, a special occasion, I must admit. So, you know, I didn't think of, about it at the time. So, um, um, it was a it was a unique one. So, um, in Australia, I did um, I, I was able to only to come in um, nine, 2007, you know? um, and that's when I first arrived. So, it was a number of years later. After I've sort of been working out there for about sort of eight years. Now, good, God's been good to you. <laughs> There's no, yes. no doubt about that. You meet an Aussie girl? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I met a Swedish. <laughs> I am married to a Swedish girl. I will probably leave the first part of the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so you got an Albanian boy comes to Australia, meets a Swedish girl. Well, it's very interesting because I was um, working under you, Lloyd, at that time. And um, well, really, the bottom uh, line is we were working together, weren't we, mate? We we yeah, actually yeah. truly, I can say this: there was no one working under anyone, was there? We were genuine colleagues, no. brothers in arms. I think we had another pastor working with us, Pastor Gilda, and they were yeah. they were heady days. They were great days. The church yeah. filled up. We we kind of complemented each other because we all had yeah. different strengths and weaknesses. We loved each other. Um, the whole three of us, and we had a fantastic time. But but I want to go back to this Swedish girl. You meet her, you fall in love, and and um, so I meet her visiting a church member in the hospital here at the San, and she was the nurse um, uh, working and attending to to my friend. And we, she wasn't living far away to where I was living, and I think they wanted to have a Bible study, and we developed a friendship and. Um, we end up getting married, and we have three kids, which um, we're very grateful for. We have um, a, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old at the, at the moment you know what? in our home. <laughs> you and your wife make beautiful kids, too. God has really blessed you. Now, I'll I, I bring this, uh, this. I'd like to talk to you for a long time, but we'll bring this to a close. Um, God leads in amazing ways, actually. Yeah. Um, you were the senior pastor of one of the largest churches in Australia. Um, yeah. Then you went on and you became the pastor of the pastors here in Sydney. How many pastors were you looking after? Was it 60 or more? Uh, I think it's probably 85 workers that we have. How many, sorry? 85. 85. Yeah. So for the last couple of years, that's been your church, correct? Yes, yes. And you've ministered to the ministers. And then just what? Really just a, a couple of weeks ago. And I know it's out of the, the blue because um, I'm talking to you on and off all the time. You got a call yes, to yes. do what? And I know this shocked you. Yes, I, I got a, a call that was somewhat a very big surprise to, to be the president of Greater Sydney Conference. And um, uh, that in itself was a challenge. Um, and. Uh, uh, if you had asked me in 1992, nearly probably um, 30 years ago, when Pastor David Curry asked me if I wanted to be a minister, did I think of any of what it meant? I probably didn't think. But one thing I can, actually, I can truly say that, you know, in the walk that the person makes a commitment with God, there are great things that can happen, you know, mm, mm, mm. and things that go beyond any kind of anticipation, you know. Mm. Um, and I, I can certainly am a kind of testimony of that. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, what? Just a final question. What is your vision? What is your dream for Sydney? 
Well, look, I think when it comes to visions and, and, and strategic plans, I guess there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, big work that needs to go into that one. But I think if I need to have something that I want to be remembered by is number one, that um, I think during this pandemic that we look after each other, yeah. um, that we care and, and support one another. The second thing is that pretty much in every decision that we make, the will of God is done. And, and the third thing that whatever we do, God goes before us, Lord, you know, mm. and, um, and then we go after him and, uh, we have that sense of assurance that God is leading, you know, mm. and I think that these are my, my three things that I'm sort of passionate about in my ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to have you here in Australia working with us, Alban. I love you, mate, and and I welcome you to this new job. I think God will challenge you to it. I I, I think I shared with you a few months ago that I, I had a sense that perhaps you were going to be called to this sort of work. In fact, many years ago, I told you, true, Alban. That you did, and I sort of um, I was a bit I ridiculed that a little bit, you know, because uh, <laughs> you know there is a certain um, element in each one of us that goes really can do you really think I'm able for that kind of um, uh, task, but as any other sort of, then you think about in the end of the day, when God calls, you just have to be faithful to Him, you know, yeah. no matter what you think of yourself at that point in time. Well, you're a good bloke, and I wish you all the best. It's a privilege to work with you, and I hope maybe in a couple of months we can get you back on the program, uh, Pastor Alban, and we can talk about how you're going. Yeah, I'd love to do that, and love to stay in touch with you, Lloyd, as um, um and you, you're absolutely right. In my ministry, when we worked together with um, yourself and Pastor Jill, that was probably some of the best times that we we experienced. And I really have really great fond memories of them. You know, um, uh, probably one of the best experiences in my ministry so far. I'm going to get you to do something I've never done actually before. I'm going to yeah. ask you as you uh, we close this little interview off to say a prayer. Would you do that? Sure. Pray for Absolutely. Sydney. Pray for Australia. And because uh, we we are facing challenging times, so I appreciate that. Would you pray yeah. for us? And if you're listening, if yeah, you can, absolutely. if you can, you bow your heads and join us. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, our precious loving Father, as we come to this point in time, we search for you, Lord, and we ask that you will continue to lead our lives. And we pray on behalf of this beautiful city, Lord, may you continue to work, and may you continue to go before us, so that uh, in whatever. Uh, in whatever we do, Lord, that uh, we are faithful to you first and foremost and that we follow you and that we understand that you are above everything else in this world. We pray for everybody that is struggling during this time. We thank you for the opportunities that we are receiving uh, with some of the freedoms that we are going to enjoy and we pray that you will continue to bless each one of us as we go through this journey together is our prayer in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Pastor Lloyd. And See ya. Thank you, um, Andrew, for yep. your help. Yep. God Bye-bye. bless you, Pastor. See ya. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Little as much. I think that's where we're up to, Hunty. Yes, by Faith First. Your group. I love these guys. These are my favourite Christian group. Actually, there are two groups that you've been involved with heritage singers many groups but and faith first and th- this is one of them you work with them and this uh, is a great song i chose it for you man did you that's right <laughs> i appreciate that let's go you 
in the harvest field now ripen there's a work for all to do and hark the master's voice is calling to the harvest calling you does the place you're called to labor seem so small or little known well it is great if God is in it and he won't forsake his own little is much when God is in it here has ended and our race on earth is run well he will say if you've been story yes please i don't normally do this but this story touched me yes please see you think i like stories there's once a man who didn't believe in god we've met a few of them hunty we have and he didn't hesitate to let others know how he felt about religion foremost his wife and family but his wife well she raised the children in the faith and she always prayed that he would know the lord one snowy evening so it's not in australia this story hunty Mm -hmm. it's in the u.s his wife was taking the children to church to a revival service from the farm they lived in, and the evangelist, believe it or not, was speaking on the subject, Jesus, God is with us. And you know what she did? That's what every wife who's got a husband who's not a believer should do. What's that? She asked her husband to go. <laughs> and if you're in a marriage and your husband or your wife doesn't follow Christ, I hope this little story brings you hope. 
She asked her husband to go and yell. He said, ah, nonsense. Yep. That's all nonsense. Why would God lower himself and come to earth for man? That's a ridiculous story. So she had to do what women have been doing for centuries, left him at home, and off she went to church. A while later, the wind grew so strong they got into a blizzard. Hey, Hunty, have you been in a blizzard? I've been in a blizzard. Yeah, me too. Very scary. I love them. <laughs> I've driven in a blizzard. I found that scary. Yep. But I just love blizzards, man. Wow. I, I always have. Especially, I went into a, a blizzard up in the, the mountains of Northern California. Oh. oh, it was so cool, mate. <laughs> got into bed. It's going crazy outside. Yep. I, I loved it, man. Anyhow, a blizzard comes, and as a man looked out the window, all he could see was this blinding snowstorm. Then he heard a thump and then another thump and another thump and he looked outside and there was a flock of wild geese and they were heading south and they got caught in this snowstorm and they were just thumping into the house, into the window. Now, he's got a soft heart, this guy, even though he's given his wife a hard time. Yep. And so he, he runs outside and he opens the barn door. You know why he opened the barn door? No. Because he thought he could get the geese in there, they could shelter them there overnight and then they could continue. Oh, Wow. <laughs> But you know what? Try as he might, he could not get those stubborn geese. Have you ever tried to get a wild animal or an no. animal to do something that you want it to do? No. I've got a dog, mate. It's domesticated. I can't get him to do what I want to do. That's right. And he could not get the geese into this barn, but he wanted to save them. Yep. And he's getting frustrated, and then he had a thought. He had tame geese. So he went and got one of these tame, do you call it a goose or a geese? I don't know. Let's say tame goose. Goose. And he took it and he put it in the middle of this wild flock. Yep. You know what that tame goose did? Because it came out of the barn. Yep. What, what do you think it did? It ran back to the barn. It went straight back to the barn. <laughs> it actually flew over through those wild geese and into the barn. You know what those wild geese did then? What's that? They saw that one had gone into a place of safety where it was dry and warm. They all followed it. Love it. You know, he's sitting there watching that. And he thinks to himself, and it's like God gave him... Have you ever had one of those bingo moments? Oh, yeah. Should I say bingo? Yeah, bingo's okay. <laughs> yeah, what's a bingo moment? That's it's when the light, the light turns comes on. on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have them all the time. Um, and he has a bingo moment. And can I read what he, what oh, he actually yeah, please, says please. happened? He stood silently for a moment as the words he had spoken replayed to him. In other words, getting this goose into the barn. And he said... Wow. And God brought him the bingo moment. That is what God did when he sent Jesus to save me. Hmm. He came down into the storm. He's a human. Jesus is God, but he becomes a human being. And he showed us, showed this farmer the way to safety. Do you get the story? Love it. It is. It's so powerful. You know that farmer's wife come home, true story. Yeah. He sits down with her. She opens the Bible. And he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Love it. Because of what happened that night with those geese, 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 goose, geese. We're Aussies in the middle of winter. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I've been working hard today, Hunty. And because Indeed. I've been working hard, it's your turn to introduce this story, uh, oh, song. I love this song. Yeah, so it's a good idea that you this, introduce it. This brings me to tears, this song. This was the song that those, those convicted drug smugglers were singing at the point they were executed. You're, talking, called, you're talking about the two Aussies yeah. who were caught in Bali. Yeah. 
Sudamarkan, whatever his name I can't remember their names. But two guys, and they were singing this song as the bullets. They got taken out of the Balinese prison, they got taken to another island, then they were executed for being drug runners. But on the night that they got executed, on the way to be executed, they're singing this song. Well, they actually found the Lord in prison. Yep. They became Christians. Genuine, bona fide. Genuine, life-transforming, life-changing Christians. And as they were kneeling down, waiting for the bullets to ring through the execution yard, they were singing this song. Do a Bible study. Yep, we've got more time to do this Bible study than we've had. We've timed ourselves okay today. Um, yep, we have. 
<laughs> which is what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we haven't been as long winded as we normally are. If you've got a Bible and you're at home, listeners. If not, if you're in the car, that's okay. You can listen to us. Hunty uh, Exodus chapter thirty two. Yep. I think one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. I'm going to spend a couple of weeks on this, not on this particular story, but on this particular theme. Yep. Because, and I'm going to challenge you guys, I'm going to challenge our listeners, I'm going to challenge you, Hunty, to something here. A lot of people just scan through this story, they read it and they miss it. What is going on here? It's not just a story. You know, that's what, you remember I said the Bible has layers? Yes. This is an example of the layers. I'm looking forward to you unpacking this for me. Yeah, it's a good one. Exodus chapter 32 verse, we've got to do 1 to 14. Cut it. For once, we're not rushing flat out. Look, it's not like we've got a lot of time. As I'm looking at that, Hunty, mm-hmm. uh, we've got... 11 minutes, 59 seconds to the next song. Which is pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Good. Verse 1. Alrighty. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Context, context. Context, yes. Here's a context. Three million plus Hebrews. Wow. They've been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Amazing story. You can 400? Read it. Yeah. Wow. Just over 400. You can read this story in the book of Exodus. How God sends Moses and frees them from Pharaoh and slavery. It's amazing. It's a ripper. We should do that as a Bible study. We should, too. eh? Yeah. Look at it. Because it, it is pretty, story. It's pretty big. I mean, and God, least, God teases Pharaoh. He says, let my people go or else. And Pharaoh's stubborn. Let, let's, I, 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 let's not spoil it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it, yeah. But here they are in the desert, and Moses goes up on the mountain to meet God. In fact, this is where he gets the Ten Commandments, and he's away too long, and the people get impatient. Yeah, come on. And they go to Moses, and they say, no, Aaron, Aaron, they Aaron, Aaron, thank you, yeah, and they yeah, say, yeah. where is this man Moses? Uh, and then what, what do they say? Well, they said, come on, make us some gods that can lead us out of That's here. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they are so ridiculous. They have just seen the power of God. He split the, he, first of all, he rescues them from Egypt. Then he splits the Red Sea open and they walk through that. He's given them manna every day to eat. He's given them water in the desert yep. out of the rock. Yep. So there's a ma- shade at night. Yep. Uh, so, sorry, shade during the, the day. day air conditioning. And, and heat at night yep. for a fire. fire. I mean, they can see the power of God. Every day. And it just goes to show how those pagan gods that yeah. over 400 years ago got hold of their years, hearts. Yeah, got them. So what is yeah. now, now, Aaron? Who's Aaron? Before we go, to Aaron is Moses' brother, and who, Moses left him in charge while he went up to see God. He's more than Moses' brother. Do you know what job he had in amongst the Hebrews? He was the high, high priest. priest. That's right. He's the head pastor yep. of Israel. Yep. Spiritually, has a higher job than Moses. Yes. So, uh, so, so Moses on the mountain. The people come and say, "Make us gods." What happens? Yep. So. Um, so Aaron said, all right, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives, sons and daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the Can gold. Can I say this before you go yep. on? Yep. There's always a price to follow the the dark one. Right. He will always exact a price from you. Correct. He takes their Correct. wealth. Yes. He'll take your wealth. Yep. He'll take your job. Health. He'll take your family. Relationships. He'll take your health. He'll take every relationship yep. you've got. And if if, yep. if, if if you keep at it and don't make a call for God, often he'll take your life. Mm. There is a price to pay to follow Satan. Go on. Yep. So Aaron so got all the gold. He melted it. Um, he molded it down and he molded it into the shape of a calf. Do you know what he he molded into the shape of a calf? I think that was one of the Egyptian gods. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Very good. You're on fire today, Hunty. 
You're on fire, mate. So when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land How of Egypt. How insulting. I know, a, a, a golden calf. Yes, how, thank you for saving me. Yeah, how insulting. Mm-hmm, Go on. Mm-hmm. And Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. And then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. What a joke. What a joke. Worshipping a golden calf. It gets worse. <laughs> and then he says he's mixing pagan worship mm. with Christian. Yep. And we've been doing that ever since. We've been doing it ever since. That's, <laughs> that's kind of, so right. We do it in our own hearts where we say, I yep. follow God and yet yep. we live a pagan lifestyle. That's right. It, this, is hum- this is how we are as humans. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Yep. So the people got up early the next morning and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. To God next to the golden calf. Go yep. on. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. I know this is a G-rated program. Mm. But that's, an, or- that's, a, that's, a, that's an orgy. That's, that's a festival. I'm not going to go any further nope. into it, but that's what it is. And we know that yep. because we know what the Egyptians yep. were doing in their pagan worship. Yep. Yep. And the Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from how I commanded them to live. They've melted down gold and made a calf and they've bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God, God's, God heard that. God knows what's going on. Verse 9. Yeah. And the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them and then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Ooh. A God's cup. He's yeah. had it. He's not happy. He's not happy. He wants to destroy them. Yep, wipe them out. Now, this is where this gets very interesting. Very interesting. And I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of people don't ask when they read this passage of Scripture. They miss it altogether because here you've got one of the greatest object lessons in the Bible when it comes to you and I and how we're safe. Yep, so God's steaming mad and Moses tries to pacify the Lord. He says, Oh, Lord, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power? And such a strong hand. What's Moses doing here? He's begging with God. He said, what are you doing this for? Begging with God what? Well, it's get, it gets worse. He doesn't want God to what? He doesn't want God to wipe him out. So he goes to God who's angry. Mm-hmm. And, he says, and he's, he's begging God not to wipe them out. Yeah. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger, Moses speaking with God here. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. This is a good conversation between God and Moses. Cool. And that, wouldn't power. it be great to have a conversation with God, to know God like this, to talk, <laughs> to, him talk face to, face. to the Almighty like that? It's beautiful. He, cool. is, he is working to save the people of Israel from their sins. Hmm. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised you to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Okay, okay. So, so, so Moses, yep. he finishes this part of the yep. conversation. He's put the case to God to save the Israelites, even though they have... Worshipped a golden calf, yep. have got involved in an orgy, an orgy. It's, it's out of yep. control. 
Moses, on behalf of the people, begs God for their lives. Yep. In some sense, Moses is getting between God and them. Trying to. Yep. Verse okay. 14. You ready for verse 14? I am. So this, the is, Lord, this, is, this, is, this is a this is the crux. This is the climax of the story. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. So here's my question, Hunty. Yep. Are you telling me that God was mad? Yep. Furious to the extent Steaming mad. that he wanted to destroy the people. Yep. Now God's omniscient. Yes. What's that mean? You tell me. It means God knows all. Okay. Yep. God knows the past, yep, God knows so. the present, and yep. God knows the future. Yep. He's omniscient. Yep. Like I said before on this program, he walks through time like you walk down. Well, you never walk down to the corner shop, but he walks through time <laughs> like you drive down to the corner <laughs> shop. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so he knows the beginning from the end. Yes. When he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he knew they would rebel. They misbehaved. When he yep. called Moses up on the mountain, he knew they would make a golden calf. So you're telling me, I'm, I'm trying to get to the crux of this okay. story. Was it Moses who really changed God's mind? Oh, my goodness. That's a hard question. Because he knew. Now, now let me take, he this, knew a bit, let me take this a bit further. He knew Moses was going if, to beg for their forgiveness. You know your kids. Yes. There would be sometimes, as you're bringing them up, they're all adults now. Yep. In fact, as you said, you're a grandfather, and you're going to be many times over, I reckon, in the next few years. <laughs> Quite possible. But there would have been many times when you bring them up when you got into a situation and you knew what your kids would do. Yep. If you know what your kids will do, then it's not a great surprise. It's not a great shock to you. Generally, you can actually deal with it better. Right. So God knew. So my question is, did God lose his temper here when he knew? Did he lose it and did Moses step in? And was Moses able to actually change God's mind and save Israel, or is there something deeper going on here? Well, I believe that Moses had the free will to choose how he reacted to God's statement. Did Moses save God's people here? I think so. Am I wrong? I wish I could get our listeners. I wish this was, you know, when we're at church, we have a Sabbath <laughs> yeah. school class. Yeah, all yeah. These. get this, some feedback. This is a great discussion. T- send us a text right now if you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Help me out, somebody. I'm lost. <laughs> sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Yes. I think God's... God never lost it here. God knew what was happening. God is illustrating a very important salient point when it comes to how we're saved. We are, hunty, go with me on this. Yep. We are the children of Israel. Of course. God has done so much for me and so yes. much for you. And yes. often we are serving the pagan gods as well as serving yep. God. And what I mean by that, we get yep. caught in this world, in the riches, in the pleasures. and yes. We get carried away with the world like anybody else. And we betray our relationship with God. Moses stepped in. Now, now the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. These people sinned and they're under the sentence of? Death. God's illustrating what sentence they're actually under. Yes. They're under the wages of, the sentence of? Death. Death. Moses steps in between God and the people. Follow me. Got it. And he pleads. He, interse- he intercedes, in. perhaps. He, 
Oh. oh, I'm going to use that word bingo again. I'm going to get into trouble on a Christian radio station. I don't even know what bingo no, is. You don't, you don't gamble in bingo. Bingo is just a fun game you play it in a whatever time. Be careful or saying a, that you get into trouble. Or a, I said a fun game. I've never I've never played bingo. It's not a gamble. Let, let's say it's a turn the light. Turn the light on, on moment. All right. It's a turn the light moment on. Yes. Moses gets in between. God and the people. The people are under the sentence of death. You're under the sentence of death. Correct. I'm under the sentence of death. It's not that God is mad with us. No. That's just the fact. That's the reality. We're under the sentence of death. So who gets between us and God as the intercessor? Moses. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Moses is illustrating what Jesus would do for us when he saved us. And when Hmm. Jesus gets between the sinner and God, and the sinner allows that and accepts Jesus, just like the Israelites were saved, the sinners, so too then are we. Do you get it? Love it. Me too. And we're going to look at that more next week. Can't wait to go on further with this, with this hunty, with this song. Yep.
love that song, Hundy. Yeah, it's a goodie. Hey, this is just the beginning of this little series, and it's hot. Great. The Old Testament's full of intercessor. Christ between us and God. Not an angry God, but a loving God. This is good stuff. But if you want to know more about this Bible study, where do you go? Send us an email. Just one word. Offer 301. Send it to info at aussiepastor.com. And we will send you out a great Bible study where you can get closer to Jesus. It's actually a series of Bible studies, isn't it? It is a series, yes. I, I really, if you're, watch, if you're listening, watching, I'm back in TV. <laughs> if you're listening to this program, I really encourage you. Send the email. One more time. Yep. Where to? Uh, send the word. Sit one word. Offer 301 is one word to info at aussiepastor.com and we will send you out this great Bible study for thank, free. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us and being with us today. Thank you that Jesus is the intercessor. Bless our listeners, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. I love you. So does Auntie. But Jesus, the great intercessor, he loves you a lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 